0: Welcome to The Watcher's Diaries, a weekly podcast all about Buffy. I'm Mary. And I'm Froggy. And this week we're talking about Season 3, Episode 19, Choices. Getting down to the wire, folks. I have just one small announcement this week, and that is that the Suicide Squad-esque Buffy novel, Big Bad, comes out in just a few weeks. Oh, cool. uh, September 27th. So place your pre-orders, or depending on when this episode comes out, just go ahead and order yourself a copy
1: cuz i am i am so excited I'm, about this book i'm excited about this one yeah i haven't been excited about a tie-in novel for quite some time so this is going to be fun
0: now hold on the princess and the scoundrel just came out i actually bought that at the bookstore yesterday
1: yeah yeah i well i have that on my i have that on my list but the thing about the princess and the scoundrel is is it's basically a tie-in for the hotel experience
0: yeah don't think that when i'm reading that i'm not going to be like reading (laughs) passages aloud to panda and being like this is why i should be allowed to go live in star wars i know
1: it's but you know what everybody everybody that i know that has read it they're like It's ridiculous. You know that it's supposed to be a tie-in for the hotel, but it's still a lot of fun. And I freaking want Leia's wedding gown. Oh, it's so beautiful. So beautiful. It's, it's so, it's so good. Like, it's just, it's beautiful. I love it. And that color green, that shade of green is so perfect. Oh, and that, and. Yeah, the artwork, the artwork of her in that gown and just seeing her looking like she did on Endor.
0: Oh, so pretty.
1: I love it. I love it. And so many people are mad because because courtship of Princess Leia is erased. So, I mean, I do have, I
0: do have issues with that uh, to take us on a little bit of a tangent.
1: We're, we're, We're becoming a Star Wars podcast for a second here. I do have a lot of issues
0: with the stuff that they
1: got rid of because I did. I did like the courtship of Princess Leia. I did too. But to be fair, to be fair, most of the people that are bitching about it are these stupid fanboys who only want to bitch about it because it's a disney yeah. oh yeah thing like that's really the only reason why they they it's they not don't the,
0: actually care about the lore that was erased they, they just don't actually care bit.
1: yeah they don't actually care about that book in particular they just are mad because it's a disney property and that yeah. book is that book is fucking ridiculous i i it's I love
0: this. <laughs> so. No, I love The Courtship of Princess Leia. I love that whole thing. I mean, I, I will not go into my full-on issues with... Because, okay, and I'm going to say this as someone who loves the Disney sequels. I don't know if I've ever casually mentioned on here, but Kylo Ren is my boyfriend and I love him.
1: We love Kylo Ren. We
0: love Kylo Ren. But... I just, I, as a person who has been in the Star Wars fandom for a while, like Froggy, Mm -hmm. have a problem that they were like, we're going to say this is not canon, but we're just going to use the find change function on a name.
1: Yeah. Oh, I get it. I I I do. Do.
0: And I was like, if you're going to tell that story, tell that story. Yeah. Yeah. Don't like pretend you're doing something new and then bastardize that story.
1: Yeah, I get
0: it. I that's do. my only issue other we, we, than that I love the sequels I love Poe I love Finn I love the introduction of these new characters but I'm just it, it it's a little cheap that they yeah. just basically told a watered down version of the story that was oh, already yeah. there
1: yeah but we do love that's, Kylo Ren and his his oh,
0: my space trash
1: <clears throat> yes yeah okay okay, okay that, so that's <laughs> See, maybe, maybe if we ever, like if we, in, you know, in a few years when we finish this, maybe we will do our plan to do a Star Wars rewatch. Yes, yes. Because again, Mary Mary was at my house for, for a weekend and we, as a lot of times we do when we, it's just the two of us, we end up watching either Marvel related or Star Wars related. Well, we decided that we were going to go through the Star Wars movies. And as we're going through, we are cracking ourselves up. But the question is, are we actually funny? Yeah, we don't know. Do uh, Will other people think we're funny, or is it just the two of us? I think we're, I mean, we're hilarious. We're hilarious, especially my song I made about R2-D2. Uh-huh. All right, to get us back <laughs> on okay. track. Oh. So... When we did uh, Sins of the
0: Father, I had put up some social media posts and I had posed one that was like, you know, we talked a lot about Giles' dad,
1: mm-hmm. like who
0: would people, like who would you have liked to have seen cast
1: mm-hmm.
0: as Giles' father? Someone said Tom Baker.
1: Oh my God, yes!
0: So I was like, all right, done, sold. Tom that Baker is, would have been fantastic.
1: Yes. That's that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I, was, I I didn't I, love that. I didn't have a chance. I didn't have a chance to sit down and rack my brain because with that type of casting, it's not just us like casting funny things for, for our purposes. Like my brain, I actually had to go back to would have to go back to the nineties. I'd have to go back to British, British. actors who were older in the nineties, who could theoretically be Anthony Head's father. So
0: So I automatically went to um why can't i think of his name he's always the bad guy he was the bad guy in lord of the rings
1: oh christopher lee
0: yes yes okay especially yes. with him also being a vampire yes yes
1: yes 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 so yes that's
0: who, that's who my have yes. mine automatically went to
1: i you know what i love tom baker he might be just a little too soft and squishy for the purposes so yeah christopher lee that's a good one or even even Captain Von Trapp.
0: Oh yeah, he would have been good too. Yeah. A lot of good choices.
1: Nineties yeah. were a good
0: time for actors.
1: Yeah. See we see this is what need what we need to do. This we do our best work when we're spitballing off of each other. This is true. All right, but let, let's get into this episode. Let's back yeah, we have we have a road to travel.
0: So, Choices, it aired May 4th, 1999, and our synopsis is, Buffy decides to take the offensive in the war with the mayor before he can complete his ascension and threaten the entire world. Sort, sweet,
1: yep. succinct. No puns. No puns. Mary's not twitching. I'm not twitching. Nope. So, nope. what are our international titles? So, most of them were either... Choices, decisions, options, solutions, things that, you know, basically mean the same thing. So I cut all of those out and I was left with three good ones. So French and German are both the box of Gavrock. Okay. Polish is good, though. I really, really like this one. And I think it's a good title for where we're at in going forward. So in Polish at the crossroads. Oh, I do like that. Yeah, especially when you think about the end of this episode. Yes. And the way Faith is looking at the mayor at like as they're leaving, like Oh, I love that moment. Still, yeah. we'll,
0: we're going we'll to talk about that moment. That's such yeah, a good moment. moment.
1: Yeah, but that's yeah, so at the crossroads is That's definitely the best title for this week.
0: So we do get another Previously On, uh, focusing on both Faith and the Ascension, filling us in on everything we've learned so far. Then we're in the mayor's office, with the mayor telling Faith to open her eyes. On the desk in front of her is a wrapped box and a plate of freshly baked chocolate chip cookies. (laughs) Eye in the box, Faith wants to know what the occasion is. No occasion. The mayor just wants to show his affection and to thank her for running an errand for him at the airport. Airport? What's next? Helping his buddy with a sofa? The mayor is unimpressed by Faith's attitude and reminds her this is not a free ride. Perhaps she's getting a little too spoiled and he needs to take the gift back. No, no. She's sorry. There's his girl. He offers her another cookie. As Faith snacks, the mayor tells her about the package. It's arriving from Central America and it is essential to his ascension. Without it, well, what would Tollhouse cookies be without the chocolate chips? A pretty dark big disappointment. (laughs) That's what. He tells Faith to open her present and she places the cookie she just bit off back on the plate.
1: You know what? Having a child, that is a very child thing to do. Yes,
0: but the mayor is a germaphobe, so he could not have appreciated that. No, no. Reaching into her lap, she takes the box and opens it. As she gets a look at what's inside, her eyes light up. That look... The mayor says that look is thanks enough. Turns out the present is a pretty wicked looking dagger. Very shiny.
1: It's a very pretty knife.
0: It's very pretty. Faith calls it a thing of beauty and the mayor tells her it cost a pretty penny. Coming around to put saran wrap over the cookies because of course he keeps saran wrap in his desk. He tells her to take care of it and not put anyone's eye out. Not until he tells her. Any particular eyes he has in mind... On that, we go to Buffy and Angel who are battling vampires together in the cemetery. I guess their break is over as Buffy calls Angel honey while (laughs) apologizing to him for accidentally launching one of the vampires into him.
1: I do like this moment where it's very domestic in the middle of a battle. I do love that. It's a very, like, you, you gotta love, this is something I know we both love, battle couples yes yes you know and and when you have like if you have like a couple that are together talking about what they're gonna make for dinner that night while they're in the middle of the fight i love domesticity in the middle of a fight yes
0: if people like battle couples uh my biggest recommendation is always the black canary green arrow series because that is like them talking about laundry while beating up bad guys it's fantastic They dust the vamps, and Angel suggests another sweep. Something Buffy is down for, but doesn't seem too enthusiastic about. She too tired? No, she just... Does he ever get the feeling they're in a rut? (laughs) Huh? He never takes her anywhere new. What about the fire demon nest in the cave by the beach? He thought that was a nice change of pace. So this is it then. Their future? This is how they're going to spend their nights when she's 50 and he's... The same age he is now. In the distance, another vamp growls. And Angel says that for now, they should just concentrate on getting her to 50. <laughs> she likes that plan. So I do want to talk about this. I do want to talk about the tragedy of the Buffy Angel, Buffy Spike, and really any mortal, immortal relationship. But the mayor's also going to have some thoughts on this later. Oh, yeah. So we'll save it for the end of the episode. Yeah,
1: I I do love when the mayor brings that up at the end.
0: Credits. Still awesome. We return from the credits to the summer's kitchen and Buffy doing homework. As she's studying, Joyce comes in carrying a letter. When was Buffy going to tell her? Assuming that her mom is asking about the earrings she borrowed, Buffy begins to take them off saying she didn't even think her mom would miss them. But it's not that. Joyce is talking about the fact Buffy got into Northwestern University. So I looked this up. Northwestern's acceptance rate is only about 9%.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Putting Buffy among the elite. But then she did have excellent SAT scores.
1: Yes. Yeah. Good for for Buffy. See, that's what I like, you know, and Buffy really brought herself back.
0: Joyce is beyond proud of Buffy and says so multiple times. Sure, Northwestern isn't cheap, but they can make it work if her dad pitches in. And it's not like Northwestern is her only option. Buffy starts to tell her mom that she can't go to Northwestern or any university away from the Hellmouth, not now that her backup option has gone evil. But she stops herself and says she's having a hard time deciding on a school. She needs to sleep on it. Run them up her inner flagpole and see which one gets a salute. Joyce gets it. She's just pleased Buffy has so many options. You know what? Her Aunt Arlene is in Illinois. She needs to call and tell her. As Joyce goes to do just that, Buffy gathers her books, getting ready to leave. As it seems, this was an early morning homework session <laughs> and not a late night one.
1: Well, good for Buffy.
0: Joyce calls out to Buffy again and Buffy says, she knows. She is proud of her. She is, yes. But don't forget to put her earrings back in her dresser before (laughs) she goes out. Buffy exit and Arlene finally picks up the phone, allowing Joyce to brag. So I have to wonder if Arlene is the mother of the cousin from season two or if this is another aunt. We're just learning very much about Buffy's family.
1: I know. That's, that's, we've, there's, there's, there's family.
0: At school, random student number one sits at one of the outside tables when random student number two comes along and hands him a brown paper bag. Immediately, Snyder is on it. What's that? What's in the bag? His lunch. Is that the new drug lingo? (laughs) No, it's his lunch. Still, Snyder grabs the bag and peers inside. Turns out it was just lunch. And so Snyder is sadly forced to give it back. For good measure, he tells student number two to sit up straight. <laughs> Across the way, Buffy sits with Willow and Oz. Willow saying that it sounds like Joyce is in denial. Buffy says she just needs to accept that she can't go away. Maybe not now, but someday, soon-ish, Willow admits that she too may be in denial. <laughs> Buffy says with Faith's turn to the dark side of the force, yay for Buffy finally using that phrase, because we've yep. been using it this whole time.
1: Oh yes, oh yes.
0: All her away plans are no more. But hey, you see Sunnydale. At least she got in. And what about Willow? Getting into Oxford? Ah says that's some deep academia there. And Buffy declares, that's where they make Gileses. <laughs> Willow knows. She could learn and eat scones. Although she's not sure how she feels about going to school in a foreign country. Xander, from where he's sitting off to the side, (laughs) reading Jack Kerouac's On the Road, says everything in life is foreign territory. Buffy gives Willow an amused look as Xander continues. Kerouac is his teacher and the open road his classroom, making the open dumpster his cafeteria. Xander says, go ahead, mock him. And Oz points out that Buffy kind of just did. It's fine bohemian anti-establishment types like him have always been persecuted oh
1: my god xander <laughs> xander the funny the funny thing about this is almost everybody knows somebody that went like a a guy of xander's age that went through this god. weird kerouac on the road phase
0: well sure they're also weird willow thinks it's great Xander doing the backpack trail mix happy wanderer thing. He's aware it scores kind of high on the hokey meter, but he thinks it will be good for him, help him find himself. Which is when Cordelia shows up, saying it will also help everyone else lose him. Win win. Getting up, Xander remarks on Cordy and her venom before pointing out how Willow got into Oxford and MIT and Yale and every other university on the planet, which he is now rubbing in her face. Cordelia refuses to be impressed. Oxford means four years in teabag central. MIT is a clear cell ad. And Yale is a dumping ground for everyone who didn't get into Harvard. Willow says, actually, she got into Harvard too. <laughs> so any idea where Cordy is going to college? Because Xander would like to start calculating the minimum safe distance. None of his business. But certainly nowhere near any of them. Buffy reminds the two of them to breathe between insults and Cordy. She turns on Buffy telling her that this conversation is reserved for those who have a future before walking away. Oz hits the nail on the head saying she's an angry young woman. And Willow says Cordy was just being Cordy. Just more so. Don't pay any attention to her. Yeah. Xander says she just has a chip. Well, maybe if Xander didn't goad her so much, you can't help it. It's his nature. Then get a better nature. Buffy's not really paying attention anymore. She's just kind of staring now, caught up in her own head. So Jack Kerouac. Yep. Everyone knows Kerouac, or or maybe not. I feel like when we were in school, everyone yeah, knew like Kerouac. Yeah, like I
1: said, i I knew a I knew a guy who aspired to the Jack Kerouac life when oh, yeah. I was in high school. Yeah, it's it's a thing.
0: So Kerouac was a writer, a poet, and a leader of the beat slash beatnik generation. Uh, he inspired such cultural icons as Bob Dylan, the Beatles, Jerry Garcia, and the Doors. He died young, uh, unfortunately, only 47, when his lifetime of drinking caught up to him. But his legacy does live on. Later in the library... Buffy talks to Wesley, telling him that she wants to go away. Now? No, after graduation. She wants to go to college. But she's a slayer. She's also a person. He can't just define her by her slayerness. That's (laughs) somethingism. Hearing the commotion, Giles comes out of his office ready to mediate. He knows they talked about Buffy's going away. She got into Northwestern. Really? That's wonderful news. Before Giles can say anything else, Wesley calls the attention back to him. Monsters. Demons, world in peril. Buffy bets they have all those things in Illinois. Wesley tells her that she cannot leave Sunnydale. With the power invested in him by the council, he forbids it. Oh. What is up with that little hand sign? Like the two fingers crossed over his chest? Is is that like some sort of council
1: salute? I I think it's Wesley. I mean that makes sense. I I I mean Wesley takes his job very seriously. He does. I he wouldn't does. put him pa- put it past him to just be doing weird shit.
0: Frustrated, Buffy goes to stand by Giles, and Giles, still full of the sass, says that should definitely settle it. Does Wesley need to remind them of Faith's turn, the mayor's ascension? <sighs> Buffy knows things are complicated right now, and that her graduation may just end up being posthumous. But what if she stops it? The Ascension. What if she captures Faith? Giles isn't sure she can. But what if she does? Then all they have to do is keep the -the run-of-the-mill evil at bay through midterms. She'll be back for homecoming and every school break after. Can't they at least think about it? Maybe if things were different. Then they'll make them different. What? Buffy is tired of sitting on her hands waiting for Mayor McSleas to make a move. (laughs) What if they took the fight to him? No, no. They are just disadvantage they don't know anything about the mayor's ascension and giles actually agrees with buffy time's running out they need to take the offensive looking at buffy he asks what her plan is (laughs) she needs to have a plan really she can't just be proactive with pep giles says if she wants to take the fight to them then logically the first step would be to find out what they're up to she knew that she just thought he meant like a more specific plan with maps and stuff (laughs) find out what they're up to she can do that And so we do find out what they're up to, or at least the audience does, as we next head to the airport. But first, let's talk about Buffy's Mayor McSlee's comment, because while I did know that was a play on Mayor McCheese, the McDonald's character from the 70s, I did not realize there was a scandal
1: involved in all of this. There was a scandal? Oh, yes.
0: A scandalo. Oh. So Mayor McCheese was part of the McDonaldland group of characters. Mm Mm-hmm. And these were heavily inspired by the land of H.R. Puffin stuff. Yes. A little too inspired. Oh. Because the creators of HR Puff and Stuff actually sued McDonald's and won. Oh, wow. Uh, The result being a payout and the retirement of some characters like Mayor McCheese, which is why you don't see a lot of the Ronald McDonald characters anymore.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah, I had no idea. I just figured that we moved past the weird characters no no it was there's a whole lawsuit very weird scandal i mean yeah (laughs) i don't know there's there's something funny between mcdonald's and h and r h r puff and stuff right anyway
0: the airport a small charter plane lands on the runway and a man disembarks a man with what looks like a snake tattoo on his face he heads towards the waiting limo a vampire standing just outside the mayor in there no but the vamp will take him to him he opens the door, but the man kicks it shut. He was told the mayor would be here in person to give him the money. So now the price just went up. He doesn't like surprises, which is a shame because I bet the arrow that goes through his heart is a huge surprise.
1: I would say so.
0: And Faith says as much as the camera pans up to where she's atop a shipping container holding a bow. Jumping down, she approaches the limo and the vamps who seems awfully surprised she killed the guy. I'll just say the mayor's influence is a parent in Faith who is wearing a lovely little lilac colored shirt.
1: I love he her look at it. I know. Yeah, she looks ha- so cute. And like the little lace at the the lace at the bottom of it and Yeah. Yeah. She- I like
0: definitely think it's something the mayor bought her especially cuz we'll see in like an episode or two he buys her the dress. Mhm. I think this is definitely the mayor wanting his girl to dress a little nicer.
1: Yes. But he's not completely you know he's 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 let he's wants her to dress nicer, but it's still in her style. He's not trying to not trying to change her. Not trying to change her. He likes he likes Faith the way she is.
0: Faith tells the vampire to get the cuffs open because, of course, this man had the box he was carrying handcuffed to him.
1: Turns out the vamp can't
0: find the key. Not a problem. Faith pulls out her new dagger that won't cut through steel. No, but it will cut through bone.
1: Some of the vamps are idiots.
0: They really are. Like. They're, they're not the brightest they're crowns getting, in the box.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're, they're getting, I think they're getting stupider and stupider.
0: Next, we see the limo. It's pulling up to City Hall. Buffy watching from the bushes. The vampire lets Faith out and she heads inside carrying the box. Inside, the mayor is going through the drawers of his desk when Faith enters. He's very excited to see the box, but a little confused. The courier isn't there. He was supposed to pay him. Yeah, well, Faith made him an offer. He couldn't survive. She takes the money pocketing it, and the mayor bursts out laughing, pleased as punch. She is some girl. The initiative, the ingenuity. Faith tells him to keep going. He will. If Buffy Summers... Hey, hey, hey! He motions for Faith to take her feet off the desk. (laughs) If Buffy Summers were to walk in here and say she wanted to switch sides, he'd say, no siree, sister. He has all the slayer he needs. Despite this, Faith looks upset and the mayor says it's because he used the B word, isn't it? She's still upset about the whole Buffy angel thing. No, she can have him. The mayor agrees. Let Buffy have that poor excuse for a creature of the night. Faith can do better. Toying with the box, Faith goes to open it, but the mayor slams it shut. Don't do that. The limo returns or pulls up somewhere else and Buffy smashes the window, pulling the vampire, driving it out and slamming him against the side. So what's in the box? As we move to the library, we learn just that. The box is known as the Box of Gavrock, and it houses some great demonic energy, which the mayor needs to chow down on come the ascension. Willow and Giles enter, and seeing that Giles is carrying what appears to be large pieces of paper, Buffy asks what they got. Maps? Plans of City Hall? Buffy tells them that the box is being kept secure in a conference room on the top floor. Unfortunately, that's all Buffy can get out of the vamp before she was forced to introduce him to Mr. Pointy. Wesley begins to tell everyone what he thinks, but Buffy just cuts him off. Here's the plan. She'll enter through the skylight, taking Angel with her. Xander points out the ladder on the side of the building, and Wesley says yes, but still no one is listening to him. As Giles says it won't be enough to simply take the box, they need to destroy it, ritualistically. Willow explains that they'll need to use some down and dirty black magic, something she seems a little too excited about. Now hold on. Wesley attempts to protest. They have no idea what a ritual of this caliber would entail. Yes, they do. Giles hands a book over to Xander, one that has just such a ritual, because Xander... He is ingredient-getting guy. He takes the book and is about to head out when Wesley yells for everyone to stop. He demands everyone stop. He's the one in charge there, and he says that this is all moving much too fast. They need time to analyze the situation and to develop a proper strategy. In response, Buffy tells them to hop on the train or get off the tracks. (laughs) Wesley reminds them that the mayor will most likely have supernatural elements protecting the box. No one says anything, and Wesley thinks he has them. Oh, did they all forget about that? Buffy says it looks like a job for the resident witch. Blow up for some big-time danger? She eats danger for breakfast. And oddly, Xander comments, panics in the face of breakfast foods. Mm-hmm. They all head out, leaving Wesley to decide whether he's going to stay behind or follow.
1: See, I think what one of the things that bothers me about Wesley at this point is, I mean, he like, like we said, he is so ingrained in the council. Yes. But if he would have taken a moment and realized just how well all of them work together, he would have been able to fit in. Like I I know that's the point. I know it's supposed to be all of them at odds. But this is proof of just how well oiled of a machine this group of people is. Oh, yeah. He's just mad because he wants to do (laughs) things his way because he's the council. Of course. Yes. He is the patriarchy at this point. He is the patriarchy. He will get better. He will. He will get better, but it's going to take a while.
0: Walking along the main streets of Sunnydale, Xander heads towards the magic store. As he does so, he passes a dress shop and sees Cordy inside, looking at a long, sparkly gown, presumably something she would be considering wearing to prom. Seeing his chance to maybe get ahead in their little banter game, he heads inside. He has a theory. Her comments earlier, sour grapes. She didn't get into any schools, did she? The grades were there, but oh, if it wasn't for that pesky interview. 10 minutes with her, the school officials decided they had already met their mean-spirited superficial princess quotas. Cordelia stands there listening before telling him that once again, the gold medal in being wrong event goes to Xander, I'm as stupid as I look, Harris. Handing him a stack of envelopes, she tells him to read them and weep. USC, Colorado State, Duke, and Columbia. Wow, those are great colleges. He's guessing they must have seen a different side of her father's money. Cordelia tells him to go away. And Xander, not realizing he just hit a very sensitive button, says sure. Because he has to go back to helping save some lives. But please, carry on. He knows she has important accessorizing to do. He leaves, and Cordelia looks more than a little upset by the whole thing. Arriving at City Hall in a black van, which... Where did they get the van?
1: Don't ask questions.
0: Okay. Anyway, arriving at City Hall, Buffy, Willow, and Angel jump out while Giles and Wesley remain in the van. Giles tells them that if they run into any trouble, he and Wesley will cause a diversion. Wesley tells them to synchronize their watches, but no one is wearing any watches. Willow suggests they could just count. Giles tells them to be careful as they start to head inside. He then offers Wesley some of the tea he brought. Back in the library, Oz and Xander get everything ready for the ritual, thanks to a helpful diagram, Willow True. <laughs> I love that she drew the diagram like right down to the two of them and stick figure Oz is holding a little guitar.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's very cute. On
0: the roof, Angel opens the skylight, conveniently located directly over the box. Of
1: course, everything in this series is conveniently located.
0: Buffy hands Willow a spellbook, along with some ingredients, and she magically dissolves the force field surrounding the box. Now that she's done her part, Buffy tells her to get gone, and Willow does just that. Angel then lowers Buffy into the room through the skylight. She goes into the whole Michelin Impossible pose and picks (laughs) up the box which sets off an alarm. Angel tries to pull her back, but the pulley he's using gets stuck. Not good. As soon, two vampires are busting in. Buffy doesn't suppose they'd want to help her down, would they? Angel jumps down to help, taking the box and slamming it into one of the vampires as Buffy frees herself. A quite lengthy fight sequence commences. Like, it felt just a few seconds longer than it needed to be.
1: Yeah, yeah, there was a little, there was a little much.
0: And after overturning the conference table onto the vamps, Buffy and Angel take off running box in hand. The vamps are quick to follow, though, and chase them through the halls. As they get outside, Buffy and Angel hide in the bushes while the vamps get distracted by Giles, Wesley, and the van. Giles, I think, leaning out the window and, like, yelling ha-ha at them. I had to to watch that part, like, three times. I was dying. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, eventually the mayor comes to see the damage done in the conference room. And he is quite unhappy. He just had that conference room redecorated at the taxpayer's expense. And, oh yeah, he slams the chair against the wall. They have his box. They do, yeah. But look at what they got. Faith comes around the corner holding Willow at knife point. In the library, Buffy is also quite unhappy. How did they... How did this happen? Giles says that he and Wesley assumed Willow had stayed with Buffy and Angel theorizes they grabbed her as soon as she hit the ground. He apologizes and Buffy says it's no one's fault. They just need to figure out a way to get her back. Turning to Oz, Buffy promises that they'll do just that. Xander suggests they go back full on assault. Giles says that will only get Willow killed. Wesley thinks it's bold of them to assume they haven't killed Willow already. no. Buffy knows they haven't. Faith and the mayor know what Willow means to them. She's too valuable. At least as long as they have the box, they offer a trade. Wesley says they can't, but Buffy says it's the safest option. The only way. And Giles, he agrees. So they call the mayor and arrange a meeting. Wesley reminds her that the box must be destroyed. And Xander, he says he needs a volunteer to hit Wesley. Wesley tells Giles that he knows he's right about this, but Buffy just suggests he duck and cover. Which is when Wesley reaches his boiling point. They need to listen to him. The box is vital to the mayor's ascension. They destroy it and hundreds, if not thousands of lives are saved. He knows they care about Willow, but they need to find another way. Buffy tells them there is no other way. Is he even made up of human parts? Wesley can't believes they would sacrifice the town and the people in it for... The conversation dissolves into a full-blown argument. Everyone yelling over one another until Oz, Oz who has been silent this whole time, gets up and smashes the bowl needed for the ritual. Giving him a look, Buffy turns to Giles. Make the call.
1: Good for Oz. I, I, just, oh, I, I love I, that.
0: That moment was amazing. Like, I forgot about that moment.
1: And like, when that happened, I was just like, yes! Yeah, I, That again, yeah, I forgot that he did that and it's 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 such a good moment because here he is sitting there listening to arguing over his girlfriend you know and you have wesley wesley the only one who wants to get his girlfriend killed yeah and he just gets up and and it's such a very casual oz thing and it makes it scarier
0: yeah back at city hall willow is locked in a file room she tries the window but there's no getting it to budge and so she needs another plan Going to one of the filing cabinets, she yanks open a drawer with some office supplies in it. paper clips, pencils. The noise brings one of the vampires in. What's she doing? Looking for a sucking candy? Her mouth gets dry when she's held hostage. Though now she thinks sucking is not the best word to use around a vampire. He comes further into the room and she backs up. Backs and back and back until she hits a wall. Did he get permission to eat the hostage? She bets not. He's going to be in big trouble with the mayor. The vampire doesn't seem to care and goes in for the kill, which is when Willow floats a pencil right into his heart. Dusted. go Go Willow. Vamp gone, she runs out of the room and down the hall. She tries one set of doors, but they're locked. And so she begins sneaking along, trying to find a way out. But as she heads down another hall, she hears the mayor and Faith, the two of them coming out of his office. Faith doesn't think the gang would be stupid enough to come back tonight, which prompts the mayor to ask her if she ever had a dog. What? A dog. He had one. Rusty. He explains a dog's friendship and loyalty is like no other. It transcends reason. Self-preservation. Buffy's like a dog. And if Faith is lucky, she might just soon get to see him kill her like one. They leave and Willow comes out of her hiding place. She heads towards the exit but gets distracted by the mayor's office. She checks out his desk and then, closing the doors so no one walking by will see her, opens up his cabinets of curiosity. (laughs) Willow is insanely intrigued by everything in there. Not only because it could help the gang, but because, you know, magic. She pokes around, noticing a small button under one of the shelves. Pushing it, she reveals a hidden compartment and the Books of Ascension. Immediately, Willow begins reading, which... What? Willow, just take the books and run! I know,
1: I know. Don't just sit there. It's a very Willow thing to do, though. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I gotta
0: admit, I probably would have done the same thing.
1: And to be fair, there's a lot of them, and they're heavy
0: this is also true so
1: might as well go through them as quickly as possible which you'll see that you know what she ends up doing yes but
0: sit there she does time moving ahead as we soon see she has several volumes scattered around her and she's so into what she's reading that she doesn't even hear faith come in check out the bookworm approaching willow faith says that anyone with half a brain anyone who had even the smallest idea of what was about to happen to her would be clawing their way out of there but not Willow. She seems to be unable to stop Nancy Drewy, which is bad because now she knows too much, and that that usually leads to killing. Willow jumps up. Wait, she wants to talk to her. Okay, sure. Give her the speech again. Tell her how they're all still her friends. How they want to help her. It's not too late. Willow tells her that no, it is too late. She made her choice. It's a response. Faith was definitely not.
1: Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, um, yeah.
0: But it didn't have to be that way. Willow knows she was hurt, that she had some tough breaks. Well, boo-hoo. She had a lot more in her life than some people. She had friends like Buffy. And now? Now she has no one. She was a Slayer, and now she's nothing. She's just a big, selfish, worthless waste. Which is when Faith decks her. it wants to hurt Faith? Fine. Faith will hurt her. She's just a little more efficient. Getting to her feet, Willow says she just assumed Faith didn't have a comeback. She is just asking for a world of pain. Willow's not afraid of her. Pulling out her knife, Faith holds it up to Willow's throat. Let's see what they can do about that. Girls. The mayor enters his office looking at them. (laughs) He hopes he doesn't need to separate them. Telling Faith she can play with her new toy later, he says something's come up. However, Faith doesn't put it down right away, which leads the mayor to remind her that he does not like repeating himself. Faith puts it away then, telling Willow she does have someone. She has the mayor, and she goes to join him at his desk. He tells both Willow and Faith that he just received a heck of an interesting phone call. I'm calling it now Willow and Oz. They get the MVP status of this episode. Yeah. Because they they, do. they are both on it.
1: They are. They they really are. They're everybody else. You know, they're doing, they're, they're, they're fighting, they're, they're doing their own thing. They have other concerns, but the two of them, they are in sync. They're, they're, they're great.
0: Also, Nancy Drew. Nancy is the quintessential girl detective, a fictional character first introduced in the thirties and featured in a number of books, movies, television series, and video games. As a character slash franchise, Nancy Drew is insanely interesting as the character has been rewritten and changed several times to respond to the changes in American culture and taste. And Nancy is still beloved worldwide, with over 80 million books having been translated into 45 languages. She's been listed as an influence of several prominent women, such as Sandra Day O'Connor and Hillary Clinton. And the books and the character remain a discussion of literary analysis. Is Nancy a mythic hero, wish fulfillment, or the embodiment of a bunch of contradictory ideas about femininity, which, you know, makes Nancy sound like she might have some things in common with Buffy. At the school, the gang waits in the cafeteria for the mayor and the others to arrive, Giles holding the bat. Apparently, the whole place is on lockdown, save for the front doors. It's something that gives Xander that comforting trapped feeling. Buffy reminds them that one way out also equals one way in. She wants to see them coming. And that's when the lights go out. Maybe they're shy? Angel says despite the dark, he can still see all right. The two vampires from the conference room earlier open the doors and the mayor comes walking in along with Faith and Willow. Both the mayor and Buffy step to the front of their respective sides. And this is just exciting, isn't it? (laughs) The mayor is practically giddy clandestine meetings in the dark, exchange of prisoners. He feels like they should all be wearing trench coats. (laughs) Buffy is not nearly as amused as the mayor, and so simply tells him to let Willow go. No, not until the box is in his hands. He looks Buffy up and down, saying, so she's the little girl who's been causing him all the trouble. He then looks to Angel. She's pretty, little skinny, but he still just doesn't understand why it couldn't work out between him and his faith. Guess he just has a strange taste in women. What can Angel say? He likes them sane. Annoyed at that, Faith jostles Willow a bit, and Oz quietly implores Angel not to rile her up. <laughs> I'm gonna need a drink before this one, because this is long.
1: <laughs> here we go. The mayor
0: wishes them all the best. He really does. But if they don't mind a bit of fatherly advice, he doesn't see much of a future for them. He doesn't see a lasting relationship. And not just because he's going to kill both of them. They've got a bumpy road ahead. Buffy doesn't think they need to talk about this. Kids. They don't like to think about the future. They don't like to plan. But unless they want Faith to gut their friend like a sea bass, they'll give a little respect to their elders. Angel reminds the mayor that he's not his elder. He's got a lot of years on him, which is just one of the things he and Buffy are going to have to deal with. He's immortal. She's not. It's not easy. He married his Edna May in Aunt Three and was with her till the very end. Not a pretty picture. Wrinkled, senile, cursing him for his youth. Wasn't their happiest time. And let's not forget the fact that any moment of true happiness will turn Angel evil. What kind of life can he offer her? He doesn't see a lot of Sunday picnics on the table. Or skulking in the shadows. Hiding in the dark. She's a blossoming young girl. And he wants to keep her from the life she should have until it's passed her by. Pretty selfish. Is that what he came back from hell for? Is that his greater purpose? Shaking his head, he says, make the trade. And so Angel picks up the box, moving towards Faith. As Faith comes forward with, a- with Willow. Faith releases Willow and Buffy hands her back to Oz as Faith accepts the box from Angel. Well, that was before the mayor can say easy or painless or whatever else he was going to say. Of course. Snyder bussin' with two cops. Nobody move. The mayor steps back into the shadows where he hopes he won't be noticed. And Snyder moves towards Buffy, Faith, and Angel as the cops lock the cafeteria doors. He knew they were up to something. Buffy tells him to get out of there, but he says she won't be giving him orders. He also supposes she's about to tell him that he won't find drugs in that box. He takes the box, setting it on the table, and, May- and Faith pulls her dagger ready to stab him, which is when Buffy yells, Wait, and the mayor steps forward. Principal Snyder, he thinks they have a problem. Mr. Mayor, he had no idea he was. He's terribly sorry. <laughs> No, oh, no, it's him who should apologize. Coming down there at night, what must he be thinking? But he just needed to, no, no, don't do that. One of the cops is starting to open the box. Opens the box, actually. <sighs> and so out jumps a nasty looking spider, oh, which eats his no, face. No, 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 no. No, 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 no thank nope, you. No, nope, thank you. Do nope, not want. Nope, not at all. The spider then scurries away, which makes everyone nervous. Looking at the ground, the walls, the ceiling, Xander wants to know where it went. <laughs> And Snyder orders the other cop to open the doors. No! Giles says they can't let it escape. Xander would still like to know where it is. <laughs> Buffy hushes everyone listening. You can slightly hear it scurrying right before it drops down on the oh mayor's face. No.
1: Nope, nope, nope.
0: Faith rushes to help, pulling it off and tossing it to the ground. It quickly scurries away. I think there are two of them free at this point. And a third starts to climb out as the mayor sits up. The wounds on his face beginning to heal themselves something that shocks Snyder. He wouldn't leave that box open. Buffy runs and slams it shut just as another critter jumps on her back. She slams herself down, smashing it and rolling around on the ground for good measure. Getting up, Angel kicks it to the side and we see another start to climb the wall behind Wesley. And okay, I guess there's like several critters, which does not make me like super happy because it was definitely like a spider looking one that jumped on the mayor. But this one was more scaraby.
1: Yeah, there's, there's, no. No. but still do not want it's, do not it's, want it's a box of nopes it is a box of nopes nope nope Nope. i i you know what every every time somebody asked what was in the box i thought of seven. Oh.
0: just that's a, him, that's, a that's a different kind of nope
1: just him but him but him screaming what's in the box i don't know it's that's yeah it's both a bad box of nopes i I wouldn't want either of them
0: catching sight of it faith throws her dagger killing it and pinning it to the wall is that all of them the mayor says no there's about 50 billion of them inside the box would they like to see raise your hand if you're immortal buffy backs away and the mayor closes the box with a grid telling faith to come on for a moment she hesitates looking back towards her dagger but when he calls again she follows once they're gone buffy checks on snyder he alive in there he just stares at them. Why couldn't they be dealing drugs like normal people? Then, still carrying the chair he was holding for protection, he leaves. Buffy claims Faith's dagger as Wesley says that all went swimmingly. They did okay. Despite two near misses, the sewers during band candy and town hall during gingerbread, this is actually the first time Buffy and the mayor meet face to face. In the library later, Willow tells Buffy about what transpired at City Hall, which Giles finds fascinating. Really but he'd like to get back to the point. (laughs) Willow had her hands on the Books of Ascension, volumes one to five. And is there anything she can remember that would be of use to them? Anything at all? Well, she was in a hurry. And what she did read was kind of involved. If you ask her, way overwritten. Oh, there were a few pages that looked kind of interesting, but she didn't have a chance to read them fully. Giles starts to look a bit dejected when Willow pulls them from her pocket, handing them to him. See what he can make of them? Buffy tells her it's her night for Suave. She get captured more often. No, thank you. Wesley certainly hopes there's something useful in those pages, as the mayor now has the box of Gavrock, and they are right back where they started. It's a comment that has Buffy looking like she's about to be the volunteer Alexander Xander asked for earlier. <laughs> the next morning, Buffy sits outside, under a tree. Coming to join her, Willow asks if she's having deep thoughts. Deep and meaningful. As in... And then she's never getting out of there. She kept thinking she stopped the mayor, but she was kidding herself. There's always going to be something. She's Sunnydale girl. No other choice. Must be tough. Willow says here she is able to go to any college she wants anywhere in the country, four or five in Europe. And Buffy interrupts her saying, please tell her she's going somewhere with this. Nope. Willow hands her a letter. She's not going anywhere. You see Sunnydale. Willow says she will be matriculating with the class of 2003. Is she serious? Willow says, hey, isn't that where Buffy's going? Buffy tackle hugs Willow and the two fall to the grass laughing. Is she truly serious? No, wait, what is she saying? She can't. What does Buffy mean she can't? She won't let her. Uh, of the two people there, which is the boss of Willow? Buffy says there are better schools. Sunnydale's not a bad school. And she can design her own curriculum. Okay, well then there are safer schools. Safer prisons. (laughs) She can't let Willow stay because of her. Willow says, actually, this isn't about Buffy. Don't get it wrong. She's fond. But the other night, facing off with danger, being captured, things became clear. Buffy's been fighting evil here for three years. And Willow's helped some. But now they're supposed to be figuring out what they want to do with their lives. And this is what Willow wants to do. Fight evil. Help people. She thinks it's worth doing, and she doesn't entirely believe that Buffy only does it because she has to. It's a good fight, and Willow wants in. Buffy kind of loves her. No. Besides, Willow has a shot at being a badass witch. And what better place to learn? Buffy says she feels the need for more sugar than the human body can possibly handle, and Willow, looking excited, responds, mochas? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes please standing the two head across the grass as Buffy says it's funny sometimes you think you know exactly what you're looking at but it turns out to be something else entirely neat huh sometimes it really is though that line seems to connect to absolutely nothing in their conversation (laughs) uh, it is actually a very important line to the next scene and because we're going to immediately go back to the dress shop and Cordy who is once again admiring the sparkly dress As she does so, a woman in a pantsuit comes down the steps and says that her break's been over for 10 minutes. She still needs to stock the shelves and sweep up the break room. Come on, let's go. Taking one last look at the dress, Cordy hangs it up and grabs a box. We end this episode at the graveyard, Angel and Buffy having a cuddle? As Buffy tells him about deciding on UC Sunnydale. How she and Willow are going to go on Saturday to look at the campus. And how she's hoping her mom will let her live there because it's too far to come home every night. Is it, Buffy? Considering you walk everywhere in this town. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Plus, there's the whole lack of cool factor. Either way, she'll be close to Angel's place. She doesn't know what the mayor was talking about. How could he know anything about them? Well, he's evil, big time. Probably doesn't even know what a lasting relationship is. The only lasting relationship he's ever had is with evil. <laughs> okay, except, you know, he literally told you about his wife. Yeah. But okay.
1: Yeah. But, I mean, that's that's a very petty teenage kind of thing. I oh, mean. yeah. No, it totally is. Yeah.
0: Big, stupid, evil guy. They'll be okay. They will. Buffy leans against Angel and he wraps his arm around her, but it's clear both of them have their doubts. The end.
1: <sighs> so let's talk about what the mayor brought up. Yeah, the whole, the, the end of this, the end of this episode is so heavy. The tragedy that
0: inevitably awaits any immortal-mortal pairing... Trope wise, this is what's known as a mayfly December romance, the mortal in the relationship being known as the mayfly due to mayflies having an extremely short lifespan, like 24 hours. It's nothing new. We've seen it all through literature and film. However, what is kind of new and a little interesting is Buffy's approach to it and that we never get any resolution because typically in situations like this, either the mortal is granted immortality or more commonly in recent years, the immortal is made human. A prime example of this is Arwen giving up her immortality for Aragorn in Lord of the Rings or in the Disney version of Hercules. He decides to stay on earth to be with Megara, but we don't get that in Buffy Uh, though. She does reach some sort of mythic status post season seven. And in the comics, Buffy never becomes immortal And though there's talk of this prophecy, neither Angel nor Spike ever become human. Instead, each pairing eventually parts ways. Well, Angel and Buffy do. I don't know if the comics end with Spike and Buffy together, but I do know they are like together together in the comics. Mm -hmm. They even have a fight like this, Spike being like, you know, we can't have a real relationship. And Buffy's like, you're an idiot. I'm not breaking up with you. Yeah,
1: and and the thing is, like, the the funny thing about that is, it's like, she's used to this shit. Plus, the way that I think, especially for Buffy, is because she is somebody who is A, so involved in this supernatural, dangerous realm, B, she's lived her life knowing that every day counts because she doesn't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Yeah. So I think by this point, like, especially when, you know, a few years down the line, she knows. She knows that tomorrow anything can happen exactly so instead of worrying about it and instead of worrying about how you know her being 50 years old because she doesn't know if she's gonna be 50 years old
0: yeah and i think i think that's a big thing with this is it's like well no no slayers really made it to 50 we're not gonna get to that point
1: yeah the fact that she's made it this far is amazing
0: yeah It's it's sad. Like, I got really sad watching yeah. this episode. I felt yeah. bad for the mayor and his wife. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I felt bad for, like, Buffy's doomed relationships. And I'm like, it's just, like, the whole, like, I know it's a trope we use all the time yeah. in literature, especially fantasy literature.
1: Yeah. But I'm just like, that's really I felt, this depressing. Is, this is an episode where you feel bad for everybody in different ways. Oh, you ways. do. Like, you finally find out why Cordelia's been extra Cordelia-like. Because I'm not sure, like, they never really they never really tell you how long it's, it's been going been. on. But you can kinda trace it back.
0: Like the the resident theory is that it's been a slow thing going on since the frat party in season two because mm-hmm. Cordy's dad was maybe one of the guys who, who had attended that yeah. or who had been part of that frat and got his fortune from that demon.
1: Exactly. Exactly. But yeah, like exactly. we're
0: never we're never actually told what's ha- what happened other than he's yeah, yeah, lost always, his money. Yeah,
1: I always I always believe that, you know, had that theory too. Plus, um, you know, you can kind of trace it back to earlier in the season, you know, F af- you know, earlier with some of the really harsh things she says to Xander. Oh yeah. Um, you know, you can kind of see her going back to the old cordelia in a really really wild way and then 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 you're also starting to feel sorry for faith
0: yeah you feel sorry for faith feel sorry for cordy you know you feel sorry for like buffy and her doomed relationships and
1: and i love because i i love that the only person you don't
0: feel sorry for is wesley
1: no no i don't feel sorry for wesley not we'll a- feel sorry
0: for Wesley, like on the off. But yeah. right now, we don't feel sorry for. Oh Wesley. yeah, yeah.
1: I there, there will be there will be time to feel. sorry. See, I like I honestly like Wesley a lot more. Oh yeah. After re like after because at this point it's like oh fucking Wesley, like shut the fuck up, Wesley. Wesley Wesley's a roller
0: coaster because like right now it's like fucking Wesley, just shut up. And then yeah. like for a
1: while on Angel, you're like
0: oh Wesley, and then you get to the point again where you're like fucking,
1: fucking Wesley. Wesley. But like you, you, kind of, I kind of liked him better after, like, going back and watching this after knowing where he ends up on Angel. Yeah, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm on this ride. I'm okay with you, Wesley. You still need to shut the fuck up. <laughs> but yeah, I love, I do love Faith's scene in the cafeteria.
0: Or she, she does begin to doubt the choices yeah. she's made.
1: Yeah, like, and and the thing is, she's reached a point where. She feels she probably feels like there is no going back
0: no and i and I think we're gonna see we're not gonna see that so much come to a head in this season
1: mm-hmm.
0: but we're definitely gonna see that come to a head next season and in her future showing up on Angel while mm-hmm. she works through those issues before she comes back in season seven. Yeah. So we are going to see everything that's going on with Faith come to a head in the seasons to come.
1: Yeah. And I do. And that's, that's also what makes Faith a compelling character. Yeah. Better than fucking Nadia. Oh, Nadia.
0: There's no redemption for Nadia.
1: No, not a single bit of redemption. Because it it is funny, you know, because, because Nadia did pull some shit that Faith pulled. Yeah. But Julie has made it clear that there is no good because I I don't want any redemption for fucking Nadia. (laughs) never never Never. Julie we don't we don't need we don't need redemption for Nadia no all right
0: that's it for this week thank you all for listening and make sure you join us next time when we take on season three episode 20 the
1: prom three more episodes folks
0: three more oof until then check out our various social media channels all of which will be listed in the show notes if you like the show and you want to let us know it you can subscribe Rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts or write to us directly at thewatchersdiary at gmail.com.
1: Bye! Bye!